certainly a blessing to be back together with you here this evening, and if you consider yourself a visitor, we especially appreciate your presence. Tonight, we're going to be continuing our sermon series on the whole armor of God, and this evening, we have gotten to the helmet of salvation. And to go ahead and to start this lesson, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, the portion of scripture from which we are drawing this sermon series. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, and it reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So now we've come to the helmet of salvation. And this evening I want to look at three things concerning the helmet of salvation. The first is what the helmet of salvation is. Next, why it's necessary, why we must put it on with the whole armor of God. And then lastly, this evening I want to ask the question, is our helmet on? Is it on this evening? So first this evening, let's look at what the helmet of salvation is. And of course, first we know that the whole armor of God, it's not a physical armor, or it's not physical equipment that we wear, it's a spiritual armor. And looking back at verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 6, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the question becomes, well, what is the spiritual helmet of salvation? How do I put on the helmet of salvation? How do I put on a spiritual helmet? What does it manifest itself as? And now as for this picture, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but I liked it, uh, so I included it for the imagery this evening. Now, I think we can understand better as to what exactly the helmet of salvation is by looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 5 through 9. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 5 and it reads, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe that in Ephesians chapter 6, when it speaks about the helmet of salvation, I believe it is referring to the dawning of the hope of our salvation, or having that hope on our mind in order to protect our mind. Because what does a physical helmet protect, brethren? Well, it protects our head, right? And it protects our brain mostly because our brain sits in our head and it would be bad if anything happened to that. So what would a spiritual helmet protect? Well, I believe it would protect our mind. 
And in other words, we protect our mind with the hope of our salvation. And we will discuss that, of course, later in this lesson. And now if we're going to talk about salvation this evening, then of course we need to discuss the salvation, the hope of our salvation. And that very salvation, of course, comes through Christ. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, and many of us are very familiar with this portion of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the salvation, the saving, is from death. And that salvation is through Christ and through his sacrifice. And through that salvation, we have access to eternal life and, of course, the better country. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 14 through 16. Meaning in verse 14, and it reads, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And of course, we know that that heavenly country that we strive for is heaven. And that heaven is a perfect place to hope for. Because as we read in Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5, beginning in verse 3, and it reads, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And this is the great hope that we have, brethren. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So through Christ and through his sacrifice, we know that we have salvation. And we are saved from our death and our sin. And we can have eternal life and a home in heaven. And so the helmet of salvation, brethren, is that hope of salvation that we have. It is the protection of our mind. It is the donning, the putting on, or the keeping in mind of that hope, that hope that we have. And so now that we know what the helmet of salvation is and how it functions, why do we need it? Why is it necessary? Why is it included in the armor of God? Well, we see turning back to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, and here we see two reasons why we need the helmet. Beginning in verse 11, and it reads, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So we need the helmet of salvation, as with the rest of the armor of God, for two things, brethren. We need the helmet of salvation to protect us against the wiles of the devil and the evil day, to allow us to stand against those things. So first, let's look at the wiles of the devil and why we need the helmet of salvation, the hope of our salvation to protect our minds. Now, what wiles or schemes does the devil utilize that we might want to protect our minds from? What kind of things does, does the devil do? In John chapter 8, in verse 44, 
John chapter 8 and verse 44. And it reads, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So one thing we need the helmet of salvation for is for the protection, is for protection from the lies of the devil, because he is the father of lies. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, Revelations chapter 12 and verse 9, and it reads, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And brethren, the devil deceives the whole world. He lies to the entire world. And we can see how he lies from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, and it reads, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And then the serpent, the devil, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So here we see the first time the devil deceived the world. He deceived Eve and after Adam through Eve in the garden. The devil claims that what is false is true and that what is wrong is right, what is evil is good, and he seeks to deceive us just like he deceived Eve here in the scripture. He seeks to scheme against us, to see how he can turn us against what is good, against God. And he'll say the exact opposite of what God will say because God speaks the truth. And of course, the devil is the father of lies. So the devil wants to capture us in lies, brethren. And if we don't have something protecting our mind, then those lies are going to catch us. And we're going to be in trouble because we need the helmet. We need a helmet. We need something protecting us. We need the hope of salvation or else we can end up hopeless like Asaph. And this is a very interesting psalm for me. And I've studied it in the past. And sadly, I couldn't just give that entire lesson again, uh, even though I kind of wanted to uh, from the pulpit because I think it goes well with this lesson. But Psalm 73, verses 3 through 7. Psalm 73, beginning in verse 3. And this is Asaph speaking, and it reads, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. And now, brethren, we don't know exactly what happened to Asaph, but we do know one thing. Asaph, in these moments, when he thought these things, he was delusioned. These things are not true. He began to believe a lie, a lie that there was no justice for the righteous and for the good. 
that everything right that he had done in his life was meaningless because he believed that the evil things are more powerful than the righteous things. He believed that the evil, those evil people, the wicked, are more powerful than the righteous, and that strength somehow comes from wickedness. Now, brethren, have we ever had these moments? Moments where we, like Asaph, envy evil people. Do we ever say this? Continuing on in verse 12, and it reads, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Now, brethren, this is a wild, a scheme of the devil. The devil wants us to believe that there is power in wickedness, that we have no hope, and that there is no reason for us to act righteously. He wants us to believe that everything that we do that's good is vain. It's pointless. But brethren, if we have the helmet of salvation, then we will not be taken by these lies because we will not be without hope. And we will say the same thing as Asaph in the end of his psalm when he realizes how wrong he was to believe the lies that are propagated by the devil. Continuing down, verse 23, and it reads, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth, there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So Asaph had the hope of his salvation. And we too, brethren, need to have the helmet of salvation so that we cannot be made hopeless by the devil's lies, so that we can stand against the walls of the devil. Now let's look at the evil day. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And it reads, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now, brethren, when we look at this list here, do we see a lot of similarities between this list and the world around us? Do we see these things? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Do we see the covetous? Do we see the boasters? Do we see those that are proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, the unthankful, the unholy, and so on? And you know, brethren, it's really easy to get downtrodden when you think about what goes on in the world around us. And I won't get into any sort of current events, but you don't have to look very far to find something that will depress you or make you sad. And sometimes, looking at the world and the men around us, well, it can give us rather dark thoughts. Like that the world is over, everything is all going to come crashing down, there's no love, there's no hope for the world that we live in or for the people that we live around, for our neighbors. 
And we can think about how everything is just getting worse and worse. And the scripture even talks about this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, beginning in verse 12, and it reads, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Or maybe, brethren, we think about how many people are being led astray. And that, of course, is not a good thought to us. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, and it reads, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Or maybe, brethren, we're just suffering ourselves. Because as if there's not enough suffering in the world, we also suffer ourselves. Psalm 38, verses 6 through 8. Psalm 38, beginning in verse 6. And it reads, I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Brethren, it is very easy to get downtrodden. It's very easy to get depressed. It's very easy to turn away from the light whenever there's so much darkness in the world. It's very easy to get hurt by the world that we live in. And brethren, if we have no hope, if we don't have anything that we hope in, if we have no salvation, well, then we have nothing. There's nothing but suffering waiting for us. But brethren, if we have hope, if we have the helmet of salvation, then we can endure the evil day. Because we have a better country that we're walking towards. We have an eternal home in heaven, an eternal reward, the hope of our salvation. And that's greater than any sort of thing or trial that we can face in this life. And that's something that we, of course, can look forward to. And the thought of that, always keeping that on our mind, always having that on us, is going to help us endure whenever all of these terrible things assail our minds. So lastly this evening, I want to ask the question, is our helmet on? You know, Brother Keegan brought up this point before about the shield of faith. You can't just have the shield and have it hang down by your side. It's not going to do anything. You have to hold it up. You have to block things with it. You have to do something with it because faith without works is dead. And of course, brethren, just having the helmet of salvation doesn't do us any good. We, of course, need to be wearing the helmet and not some cooler hat that we've found. Maybe we want to think about something else. But, brethren, the hope of our salvation is something important that always needs to be on our mind. Because if we do not, then we're just going to buckle and lose to the wiles of the devil or the evil days, which we, of course, know will threaten us. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter Chapter 5 and verse 8 and reads, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We must be sober, brethren. We must be vigilant. We must always be ready to fight a spiritual battle, donning the whole armor of God and wearing, of course, the helmet of salvation. And that hope of salvation is going to protect our minds so that we can stand. And if we're standing in our, final, in our final moments, we can, of course, say the same thing that Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 
beginning in verse 6, and it reads, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. When we are standing at the end of our lives, brethren, we can enter into the salvation that we hope for. So this evening, brethren, let's make sure that we have our helmet of salvation whenever we go about and walk through our lives, because it's going to help protect our minds and help us stand against the wiles of the devil and endure that evil day. So this evening, if you desire to have the hope of salvation through baptism, or if you desire the prayers of the church, we ask that you come, have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song that has been selected.